and welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. Hey, 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 here we go to another episode of Soberholic Podcast. My name's Roger. I'm in studio with the one and only Jason Rice. Man, those uh, intros are getting... They're getting horrible. They're getting interesting. Yeah. Well, you you sound like a like a like an announcer at like a rodeo or something. <laughs> yeah, a rodeo. Have you ever well, been to a rodeo? I, I, I don't think I have. They're pretty fun, actually. Yeah. I'd like to see the clowns get beat up. Yeah. That'd be the coolest part. But, you know, at 100-something episodes, we um, we got to jazz it up a little bit, right? Keep it alive. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I still enjoy doing it. You know, it's yeah. cool to come in here and um, talk with you and get to give content to our listeners to hopefully help them with their recovery. And today is no exception. Um, mm-hmm. We've kind of maybe take a step away from the traditional um, addiction approach that we talk a lot about, you and I anyways, because that's our background, is with drug and alcohol abuse. But um, talk to maybe the other member of that family that usually would be the one that struggles with poor boundaries. You know? Um, In in other words, we call them codependent. Yes. And um, so I I think that we can kind of gear this episode for them. Now, we've had some others in the past, like Art Wimberly. Um, Mm -hmm. We had him in a while back um, that spoke to us about some codependent behaviors and things. But it's been over a year or more since we've done that. Mm -hmm. Ain't that right? Yeah, it's been a couple of years almost. Yeah, that was early on, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's what I hope we can um, kind of let our listeners hear because I know oftentimes, as we've heard through emails and, and others, that um, we find out that people are listening to our show to maybe understand why their you know, spouse or loved one is doing the behaviors they're doing. But oftentimes, it's the people... I'm not saying it's their fault, like that their spouse is a, an addict or whatever, but their poor boundaries allow their addict to get get away with more than they should. Yeah, is that does that make sense? What yeah, I'm trying to say? Enablement. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're uh, codependent with them, and so they just go along with the bad behavior and with the addiction and everything, and even fuel the fire to it, also, and. You know, I don't know how many times I've I've talked, and I know you talk with family members of, of addicted, you know, um, family members of people all the time, and it's the number one problem with family family members that I see is that, you know, is you see a classic codependent relationship where they're enabling the addict. Right. But codependency takes on many forms. It does, um, and, and we'll probably hit some of those as we go through this today. And so as we talk about codependency, I guess the focus is going to be how we can have um, just poor boundaries. Yeah. And they they tend to manifest themselves in unique ways. Um, and, and one of those is just by that you hate to let people down. You know, all the time that you're always trying to do more than you should because of that feeling internally that, you know, you you don't want to make someone upset with you or let them down. And so you take on more than you should ever, ever take on, Mm -hmm. you know? Back up, what is codependency? Uh, Let's define it. 
Well, I don't even really know how I could define that in good terms. I um, think I got a simple okay, okay, let me hear your good one then. <laughs> well, I don't know how good I, it I is. I could make one up, but I don't, I don't I, really have a good I think codependency is is when you depend on someone or something excessively. Excess, excessive dependence, emotional dependence on someone or something. Okay, because I was going to say that it's your dependence on something else to make you happy. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's uh, even more simple. That's even yeah, that's better. So, uh, excessive dependence. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's different than you depend on your husband for a paycheck to get the utilities paid. Right. You know, because you may just have a breadwinner in the home or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. It's it's the unhealthy ways that unhealthy. you depend on someone yeah. for your happiness. Yeah, and one of those, as I was saying, one of those unhealthy ways that we depend on people is that we, you know, we just hate to, to let people down, and so you may, you know, you may, I guess one way that I looking at an addiction standpoint is as maybe your spouse is struggling with addiction and you know it, and heck, they know that you know it, but they want to go back out to the bar again, and you don't want them to go to the bar, but you let them go because you're afraid you're going to make them upset, and you go. You know, and so you don't want to let them down or whatever, and so you you just let them go do what they want to do because you just don't want to you don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, and you say you just say yes to everything. You to just everything. say yes, man, yeah, or yes, woman, and, and that that's <laughs> definitely not a healthy boundary. No, definitely not. I mean, because um, you know it's bad when we try to find um, our happiness by letting others be happy. Yeah, you know it, it's. It's okay to find happiness by helping others, but if we can only be content with ourselves by making others, when we just become submissive to to other people at our expense, yeah, to, you yeah, know, you're letting them walk all over you. Exactly. I yeah. mean, I think it goes back to the whole doormat thing you were talking about. It, 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 that's not what we're supposed to do in a relationship, right? Next one is. Um, agree with others to keep the peace no matter what, which is kind of related to letting people down. So what this would look like is, so say, you know, say you have a loved one that you're in a codependent relationship with, and it doesn't matter if you're actually right or not, you're just going to agree with them to avoid any kind of conflict. Right. And... I personally, I don't, I'm not a big fan of conflict. Um, I don't like it, you know, but conflict sometimes in re- in relationships, it's a necessary and healthy thing, especially if somebody that you're close to is going down a path that's harmful to them and everybody around them. Like there, there should be a level of conflict as far as like you're, you know, you're trying to intervene with them and say, look, this is not okay. You know, and you setting up healthy boundaries around their behavior, saying, "Look, I can't, I can't co-sign on this kind of behavior, and the reason why I can't is not only for my own health, but for your health too, because I love you." Right. You know what I mean? Well, you know, and that also kind of goes into you know that you're just afraid to speak up for yourself. You know, when your feelings get hurt, you're just afraid to speak up for yourself because of the conflict that comes along with that. And so you just always keep quiet and you become a punching bag for someone to just throw insults uh, and and injury to you. And, um, you know, I I know that there's times that it makes sense to, to not have conflict in your life, but when you're 
you know, repeatedly t- being taken advantage of or repeatedly being um, made fun of. You know, I've seen this in many marriages. Um, in my first marriage, it even it worked this way a lot between the two of us. We just always uh, cut one another down. And so there was never no communication to build on to. It was just always insults. Um, the problem was there would be times that he or me or she, either one, would not stand up for ourselves. Like we would just we would just get so sick of fighting, we would just walk out and, and never communicate anymore mm-hmm. because we just we were just so tired of it. Mm-hmm. And um there, there has to be healthy communication in order to have good boundaries. Mm. And without that, um, well, your marriage is going to suffer. And if there's an addict in the family, they're going to figure out how to take that angle on you every time and make it worse uh, so that you will avoid that conversation and they can get what they want. Yeah. And then I see a lot of times and I, you know, where, Issues like that are just swept on the rug. Let's just sweep this on the rug, mm-hmm. not talk about it. Um, you know, which just leads to more problems down the line when when somebody blows up. You know, from all the, you know, just ne- never a- ever acknowledging the real issues that are actually happening in in the family or in the the dynamic of the relationship. You know, it's just a pressure cooker to for somebody to eventually blow up and make an anger hole in their wall or something. The old anger <laughs> hole. You know those well, right? Yeah. You know, one of the big things I see all the time with people who struggle with poor boundaries is they just give way too much of their time away. And um, me personally, like I'm a very active person. I like to be doing new things and I like to be doing helpful things. But um, I, I tend, I, I say that I do, I, I tend to keep a healthy balance with that. But those who uh, struggle with th- this poor boundary of, of giving away more time than they should will lend, which will, kind of what you were saying earlier, you, you tend to say yes to everything out of fear of letting someone down. And so at the end of the day, when you should be spending some time for yourself, or maybe it's at the beginning of the day, whenever your time is, um, you can't because you have all these other obligations that you've said yes to, and you've got to continue doing these things and making more time, or you're back to one of the points that we mentioned earlier that you know, you're afraid to let someone down. And so you're, you get into this big spiral of not being able to make everyone happy and then you seem to suffer out of it. And um, it's just it's a whirlwind of confusion and chaos. Yeah. I, I, I think people who give away too much of their time and they don't spend any time on themselves, um, and I think I fall into this category a little bit, is I, I think they're just avoiding themselves in just, a lot of ways. Just not really wanting to live in their own skin. Right. Just not being comfortable with themselves. So they take on the role of, of caregiver to everybody else around them as a way to avoid dealing with their own issues. Um, I, I have a classic, you know, over, I like I'll overcommit myself to things. And uh, I, I think I've been better about it in the last year or so. I, you know, a, a, like a year and a half or so ago, I, I turned, I quit a bunch of things, you know. So, well, I remember even having this conversation. Uh, <laughs> But but let's be fair. But then I added a few things. Well, you you dumped a lot of the extracurricular things that you were doing, the things you were saying yes to, but then you took on a full-time job, which you already had, and full-time school. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, you don't really have time to do anything else. There's there's literally no time at all to do anything else. <laughs> but like, but now though, I do say no to things. Like just the other day, somebody was like blah blah blah, and I was like, you know, no, I, I just I just don't have time. Which is a very good point because a true codependent would say, no matter how swamped you are, yes, I, I, we'll, we'll, do, we'll have to do it Saturday, but I, I can do it Saturday. Right. So mm-hmm. I do say no now. I should. I, I know I need to say no more than I do, but at least I've gotten to the point to where I've say, you know, I say no. That brings me to an interesting question, though. I've never really felt like I've struggled with like codependency in the classic sense of like in a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. like me and Dakota and my wife, you know, we do not have a codependent relationship. Um, and it's looking back on all the, you know, big relationships in my life and everything. It's never really been there. Do you think you can be codependent with like abstract ideas or like not a person? I don't know. I need more clarification. So, like, can you be codependent with your job? Uh, I, probably, because you could take on, um, uh, you know, your your purpose, your meaning behind your job, and so you give more to your job than you should, even to, than to your wife. Yeah, and you can be codependent to your job, to where you, um, you don't. You let the job run you into the ground. Yes. You know, and it's a, it's an unhealthy reliance on the job to bring you meaning and purpose and where you find your identity. Right. Yeah. This is probably a horrible example of what I'm fixing to say. So you can say, well, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> um, but to me, life is a lot like the plate spinner, you know, where you're sitting there and you're trying to spin all the plates. You're yeah, trying yeah. to keep your job going, your wife, you know, your, your marriage going, your kids, you know, your profession, your, um, your spirituality, all of these things you're trying to keep moving and going. And it's when you spend too much time on one thing, you can find yourself maybe codependent to that abstract thing you're talking about. Because if you spend all your time and energy on the one ideal or one thing, then everything else suffers. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to have good boundaries, healthy boundaries, then you've got to figure out a way to keep all those plates spinning. Yeah. I, I think for me, I probably place too much value in how much can I produce? Like I'm some kind of machine. Right. Which I think fuels the whole thing of, I, you know, I say yes to many things, you know. Well, a couple of years ago when we started this podcast, you and I, I would say, were a, were a lot different. I mean, a lot the same. We have the same personalities. We've talked about Enneagram types, all of those things. And I don't know that you could just turn them on and off like a light switch, but I know that looking back, we've both changed a lot. Um, and me, probably more so than you, that I know of personally, because I was very caught up with trying to find my identity in these different things that I did. And now, so I don't really, I, I do enjoy doing new things, but um, I, I've slowed down a lot where I, I guess the best way I can explain this, and I know someone will identify with this, but as I was doing A and B, I'm already thinking about C before I finished A and B, mm-hmm. um, whatever those things may be. Now I, I've, 
uh, over about two year period, I've now been able to to focus more on A, and when I finish A, then turn my attention to B, mm-hmm. um, which has been very good for me to be able to slow down and just be okay with what I'm what I'm doing, and that's allowed me not to be so so concerned about working like the machine you're talking about of of trying to figure out what I, what all I can churn out. I just try to be good at what I'm doing in the moment. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Now that worked. Um, it worked. It worked, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the 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 difficulty that comes with codependency is that if we are are trying to make everyone happy by not letting them down, if we're giving away too much of our time, and if we're you know avoiding to to, to speak up because we're afraid of controversy, well, then ultimately we're going to be this in this place where we just we feel burned out yeah you know um i see this a lot of time even in ministry i mean you think well if there's anything that's going right would be a would be a preacher's job you know a pastor's got to get all this right i see more codependent pastors than probably any um job profession that i know of where their worth is in how many butts are in the pews exactly and and, you know how they tie their self-worth to how their church is doing and on what the on what the church is saying back to them, like right. if they're always getting criticism. Well, they're they're feeling all this pressure to do better and do more, other than just doing what they what they should do, you know. And so they're tr- they're trying to find their value and their happiness of, of their work. Yeah. What you're talking about, yeah. And so um, it's important to look uh, for these boundaries and keep them healthy by not just trying to find your worth in what you're doing. Um, because if you're just simply trying to find, um, that worth in what you're doing, then you're going to find yourself burnt out. Yeah. And I, I, and I think, you know, of course, codependency works both ways in a relationship and, and, and where a codependent person really digs themselves in a hole is with expectations. So, like, over time, you know, if you are the one who's codependent, then, you know, the person on the other end of the relationship expects all those things out of you. They expect you to always say yes. They expect you to always agree with them and never let them down. They expect you to say yes even when you don't want to. All those things. They expect you to, you know to not take care of yourself, you know, like they do. And so it can be a real hard, hard place to dig your way out of because if you do, well, then, you know, then you're going to feel guilty for doing something for yourself because you're codependent. You know, it's kind of, I could see it being like a cycle that is just hard to break out of, you know. That's one thing that I I have found myself codependent at because um, I found myself where I feel guilty for actually taking time to do something for myself. It may mm-hmm. be that I'm like not doing it with my – I should be doing something with my kids instead of just taking like, time to read a book. Like, or, or playing golf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, um, a great example, although today I'm not – it hasn't been to the level we're talking about codependency, but my little girl's been wanting to get in our swimming pool and go swimming. Well, yesterday I got home late. We didn't have time to do it. So I kept telling her, we'll do it today after golf. But that's a healthy one because I did take time <laughs> yeah, for me today. Um, but I, but as soon as she said that, I felt kind of that sense of guilt that you should just stay home, cancel on Jason, and then you, you, know, you can go spend time with her. But fortunately, we did it before the pool's Early. really going to warm up and sun comes out, and so we'll be all right. Yeah. I mean that that that's one of the things I love about 
having a a hobby like running or golf or whatever is you know it, it is something i do for myself and i mean i i don't feel guilty about that you know so i just don't so this is one of the ones that i've heard is codependency and you tell me if it is because i i don't know how it plays a part in codependency so dr jason give it to <laughs> me um I, just a feeling of being taken advantage of you know, I feel that regardless. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know that I've got to be codependent here. Um, how does that play in the role of codependency, or am I putting you on a spot where you're not really sure? Because I don't know about that one. That one's kind of iffy to me because I think you can be just kind of like like me and you are both kind of like like skeptical of people, mm-hmm. um, and. I'm always, and, and and this is one of my character flaws, you know, if somebody is, somebody, especially like somebody I've just met and they're real nice to me, I'm like, what do they want? You know, <laughs> what, do they, what do they want? They want something, right. you know? I'm just skeptical. What's your angle there, buddy? You know, what, how is this person trying to take advantage of me? Mm-hmm. And that's a terrible way to be, um, but... There's been there's been plenty of times that it's it's saved me a lot of pain too because I saw something coming down the line from somebody and I was like ah, I see what's going on here, you know instead of trusting everybody that you meet and getting hurt all the time when somebody lets you down, I don't know I, I can't really draw a straight line from uh, from that to codependency. I guess I guess it it, it is sort of related to you giving too much of your time to somebody and letting them run all over you. And that would make you feel like you're being taken advantage of. But I don't know. I, I, I'm with you there. Um, That's about all I can come up with on that one. Well, I've got two questions I want to kind of go over before we close up this episode. One, and let me see if I, I say there's two questions. Maybe I should say there's two points because it may be more question to each point. Um, the first point is this, is um, in a a relationship where one person is an addict, the other person is not, how, the, how much of a percentage there do you see that the, the one who is not an addict would be codependency, would be a codependent? Is that, did yeah. I phrase that well enough? Right. Like how much... Like who is the more percentage codependency or out of everybody that I've ever come in contact with, how many times is that person a codependent? If we had a hundred couples okay, yeah. and the man was the, uh, the attic in every couple, how many of those women would be codependent? 95%. Yeah. Um, or vice versa. 95%. I see. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. It's, it's, it's. I mean, I, I could. I mean, I, it's very rare where they're not, and when they're not, usually, especially if the person's just in active addiction and they're just like, "This is what I'm doing," you mm-hmm. know, I don't even want any help. Usually, they're they're separated. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've I've known couples before where, you know, the one that the man was an addict, the woman wasn't. Then the woman said, "Hey, you gotta go. Mm-hmm. I ain't doing this," you know. And they separated. Um, this one couple, they didn't. She didn't divorce them. She was like, "But you can't stay here, you know." 
and put down real boundaries, mm-hmm. hard boundaries. You got to sign your business over to me or whatever and mm-hmm. different things like that and um, took control mm-hmm. of, of, of their own situation. Um, but you rarely see that. It's very rare. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's been my observation over the years is that if you find an attic in the family, then 90-plus percent of the time – the other spouse will be a codependent. And or they, mom or dad. Yeah, which is codependent, you know. Sometimes you know. a brother. Um, right. And so, sister. and it all, I'm not saying that those unhealthy boundaries cause that person to be an addict, but it certainly doesn't help them come out of that. Yeah. You know, it's just a way to always make them okay with what they're doing. And so I say that for our listeners that are is listening that possibly um, don't believe they're a codependent. I can't tell you if you are or you're not, but if you identify with some of this stuff, maybe you need to take a long look at that. Now, the flip side of this is the second question I wanted to kind of end, end with, or the idea is that out of those same group of people, you have you know the, the addict and the codependent that we've said that typically you have the two. Do you believe that when the addict gets clean, do they become codependent? Mm. Basically, they give up their addiction only to become addicted to unhealthy things through codependency. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Or they look at the person who's been codependent with them through their addiction as like their savior or whatever, and they become unhealthily, unhealthily. Is that a word? It is in my book. They become attached to them in unhealthy ways because they don't have this other coping coping mechanism or whatever. But I've also seen two addicts who, like, are in a relationship with each other who are codependent with each other, and they're both in active addiction. Mm. That's that's definitely a thing, too. But, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I've definitely seen where the non-addict, even after the addict gets clean, continues codependent behavior. Even like okay, so like take oh, this yeah. take this example. Like you know, uh, Billy Bob gets clean. He starts going to AA meetings, right? He starts getting better, and you know his wife isn't doing any kind of oh, Mary Jane. Yeah, Mary Jane mm-hmm. is not doing any kind of spiritual program. Not working the steps. Isn't going to these meetings every night. And then all of a sudden, she realizes that Billy Bob doesn't need her as much anymore because he's he's becoming a healthier person. You know, he's becoming, um, you know, more spiritually fit, closer to God, all those things. And all of a sudden, she kind of feels left behind because she's like, well, he don't need me anymore. You know, I've seen that a bunch. That's, that's a very good point, which leads oh mary jane into problems of her own because she hasn't tried to get help for herself through all this right so those are good points um you know i just you know there's there's no one size fits all with it all but i i do believe the idea that more times than not the other spouse of an addict would be codependent there's been very unhealthy boundaries there this led to codependency and um, if left untreated there, it kind of runs into your example that it just continues to get worse. 
even if one party gets better. So if, if you're dealing with both issues of addiction and codependency, which a lot of times are the case in these relationships, I believe that both parties need to find help on their own. Definitely. And set, set healthy boundaries. Well, all right, man. I think we can close it up with this one. Um, until next time, I'm Roger. I'm Jason. And we're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.